May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In Jesus' day, you could spot the uber-religious men by just walking down the street and looking at them. Um, these men would wear um, these shawls over their head um, that were really long, and they had these tassels on the end of it. But even more than that, they would have this little box on the back of their hand. And th- holding the little box on their hand would be these leather straps that would crisscross all the way up almost to their armpit and, uh, and then to their shoulder. And then they would have another little box just like it strapped to their forehead. It looked like a, like a miner's light, you know, stuck to the front of their head. And so walking down the street, you could spot them right away. And they had other signs of piety, but these little boxes called phylactery, dead giveaway. Inside the little box was a tiny little piece of paper, like vellum, actually, before paper was actually invented. And and on this vellum was written Bible verses. Always you would have a Bible verse that went like this, Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Achad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the very next verse, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then there would be another little piece of paper on which a verse from the book of Leviticus was written. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two little pieces of paper were on the hand, on the forehead. Because Moses said that you should take the word of the Lord and bind it upon your head and upon your hands. And they took it quite literally. Okay, well then we'll put it actually on our hands and on our head. These men would walk down the street. You could spot them right away. Whether they were going to the the market or coming from the temple or doing whatever. Luke says that Jesus one day is in uh, in this group teaching and a lawyer stood up. Now, you shouldn't think lawyer like the way we think lawyer, not like a barrister. He wasn't a a person who was a, a trial attorney. But you should think scholar, university professor. A person who is part of the religion department at the local university. This is the kind of person that stood up to ask a question. Not, not an attorney like, uh, like we think of an attorney. But he's an expert in religion. There's no kind of expert like the real expert is there. You know, the one who really thinks he or she knows everything about a certain topic. Um, my wife will sometimes say to me stuff like, Joe, I know you think you know everything, but you don't actually know everything. And I say, I know there's one or two things I've forgotten, but I know it all, the rest of it, you know. And and when we're watching the History Channel and there's some religious documentary that's on there, I get so frustrated because the scholars, they pick are all the worst scholars in the world. And and I yell at them and she says, write a letter, but shut up so I can hear what's going on here. You know, there are those kind of scholars, you know the time I'm talking about. This is the fellow who stood up and said, Jesus, I have a question. Luke says he stood up to test Jesus. Because that's what, that's what scholars do. They write tests. You know, um, I, I still do a little work at the university teaching at, at Malone. And, and I write these tests, you know, to, to see what my students know. To see if they're paying attention. And, and, and this scholar, he stands up to test Jesus asking him a question for which he already knows the answer. Let's see how you do. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think it's a good question. 
What must I do? It's personal responsibility. He knows he has a part to play, doesn't he? What must I do? What, what sort of thing do I need to do to have eternal life? It also shows the goal of religion. That religion is about life. Now, I, I, usually the Bible talks about life into the ages. It's not just about eternal life, about, about the eternal fountain of youth. It's about having life in the here and now that goes forth into eternity. What do I have to do to have this kind of life? Jesus is clever enough to see through this ruse, though, isn't he? So he answer, answers the question with a question. You know, what do you think? How do you read the law? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you understand the Bible? I get the answer in a little box on my head, in my head. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. It's an academic exercise, isn't it? This is what we're supposed to do. Only life isn't really an academic exercise. It's about going to the grocery, to the movies. It's about you know walking down the street, talking to neighbors. It's about life in an office or um, in a schoolroom or wherever it is that the occupation takes you, in a hospital or whatever. And love isn't just a feeling. It's not just an internal disposition, is it? It's not just I feel warm towards something or someone. Love is a verb. It's an action. It does something. It's a compelling force. So when the, the, the scholar says, you know, who is my neighbor? You know, I think what he's asking is, well, who am I permitted to hate? <laughs> I understand that I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. But where does the zip code end? You know, where do I get to the end of my zip code and I find those people that I'm allowed now to hate? There's a lot of information that Jesus gives. He says, it tells a story though, doesn't he? He could answer it in one way, but instead tells a story. A certain fellow was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. This guy who asked the question had probably walked that road himself many times. From Jerusalem to Jericho. And I think when Jesus tells this, a certain fellow is walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's easy for this scholar to see himself. That's what we do, don't we? Somebody tells a story, and you imagine yourself as the character in that story. You imagine what it's like to go from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so he sees himself, a religious Jew, the fellow who's walking down the street. And he falls into the hands of thieves. And they beat him. And they strip him. And they take all of his valuables away from him. And they leave him for dead. And then Jesus says, and by chance. It just happened. I love Peterson's translation of this. Luckily, a priest came by, happened by. And, and you would think, oh, you know, feeling empathy for this fellow who's been beaten up and robbed. Finally, here's, here's some hope. A priest. These guys are busy about religion. They should do the right thing. This is someone you can have confidence in. And he passes by on the other side. Your heart sinks. You've got to be kidding me. If you can't count on a priest, who can you count on? Jesus says, oh, but the story's not over. Another fellow comes by. This one, a Levite. Again, the hearers would be excited. A, a religious professional. A, a, a person who works in the temple. Again, confidence. Surely this fellow's going to help. But he doesn't. He too passes by on the other side. And then a third fellow comes along. 
And Jesus says, and this fellow was a Samaritan. Oh, you know, if you were there that day, you could have heard the groan. Everybody, oh, not a Samaritan. It's like a Yankees fan, you know, like, oh, no, not, uh." you know, you just would be so, oh, anybody but a Samaritan. Pittsburgh Steeler, really? This is who comes by? This is what you get? You know, you're, you just, it's it's just the, the opposite of what you would want. Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans hated Jews. But it was mostly from the Jewish side. It was total racism, total bigotry. The the Jews would walk scores of miles out of their way. This is the day before you had any kind of transportation other than walking. They would walk scores of miles, 20, 40, 60 miles out of their way to avoid going through Samaritan villages. That's how much they hated them. Here's this fellow lying on the side of the ground, dying. And here comes a Samaritan. And you know this scholar, this professional is thinking to himself, no, please let the Samaritan walk. Tell me this story. The Samaritan walks by too, but he doesn't, does he? He does all the right things. He applies first aid. He puts the man on, you know, the injured fellow on his own animal, so he obviously has to walk, takes him to an inn, stays with him, nurses him back to health, leaves money for his care, promises to pay whatever is owed on his behalf. It's a story of kindness and mercy, compassion, empathy from the most unlikely of sources. And which one of these, Jesus says, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? In the Sunday school, the children are going to be asked that question. They're going to be able to answer it right away. It's a, it's a question anybody could answer. Because it's so blindingly obvious. Religion, and the point of religion, is about life. Life abundant in the present, and life eternal into the future. It's about having um, joy in our present life. And having confidence that after this life is over that we face the Almighty with, with the certainty that we have done what is what we could. We've done the best we could. Did you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Yeah, I love my neighbor as myself, and I hated the people I was permitted to hate too. No. Real love is not just a warm feeling. It's a compelling force. And if we have genuine love for our neighbor, we have no room for prejudice, no room for judgment, no room for hatred. We have no room for racism or sexism or any other ism. Just because somebody doesn't share your politics or whatever other kind of view, that gives us no right to hate them. That we love all people, no matter what the case, no matter their ethnicity or their religion or whatever. Real love does not hate at all. It does what is right. It acts in mercy and compassion. I think one of the most beautiful things about this story is that Jesus says you have to go out of your way to love people. You can just be nice to the people who are right in front of you. The people who are right before you. Show kindness, mercy, empathy to those people. To which of these was a neighbor to the victim of violence? The one who showed compassion. Go, Jesus says, and be doing likewise. This is the way I would translate. Go be doing likewise. It's not a one-off thing. Continue doing this. 
in the ancient world, you could tell who was religious by little boxes that they wore on their hands and on their head. I was in Jerusalem two years ago. They still wear them. Those the long sideburns still wear a hairstyle that's two thousand years and running. You know, they continue to wear this stuff. I'm, I'm sitting outside of a shop talking to this Arab fellow, and along comes this group of Orthodox Jews, and about three of them are wearing these hats that are about this wide, completely round, about a foot tall. It looked like a big cake box right on top of his head. I had never seen anything like that. You know, the first time I'd ever seen such a hat. And so I say to my Arab friend, I'm like, what's with the hat? He said, I don't know. He's religious. That's what he said. I don't know. He's religious. I wear this, you know, black shirt with a white collar. Immediately identifies me as both a Christian and a priest. Walk into a hospital, and people just come right to me and talk to me. Oh, you're not going to believe what happened to me yesterday. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. You know, this, it identifies me. But it's not just, you know, not just Christian priests, not just ancient Jews and contemporary ones. People like Mennonites and Amish, you know, wear distinctive clothing. You can tell right away their religion by seeing them. A lot of people in the Muslim world, Sikhs, a lot of different people literally wear their religion on their shirt sleeve. Jesus seems to say that the most important garment that we can wear to identify us as lovers of God and humanity is the compassion that we show to one another. That is how we dress for success. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.